0: terrified because I'm reenacting it. Okay, there's a I have to, as I kept telling you, unless you reenact the trauma, so you can't treat. You can you can't heal. But at least we need to know whatever when you hear or you see a story a kid a Rebbe brings you a story with some kid who has a severe reaction to something someone touches him and he throws a chair through the window you know he goes screaming you know jumps on the you know goes crazy you're watching trauma you're looking at PTSD chances are you're not looking in Musa in in Musa Musa in Musa that's not what you're looking at you're probably looking at trauma and by the way I had it out with very late one time very big on this subject of how do you know if it's Midas so I took this to all the gedolim, I took this to Rebbes, I took this to everybody and then uh, it wasn't pleasant but I took it out there I want to know they said why do you want to know I said poshut because what am I treating is it Musa you know, if it's if it's, it's Tom Musa. If it's Cholunav, it's Tom Tipperufu'i. Like, which one is it? How do I know? A kid doesn't get out of bed in the morning. I have two kids didn't get out of bed and go to shakras. One is lazy, it's Tom Musa. The other one is a sexual abuse victim who's struggling with his tivers all night not to go in and molest his sister, and he's worn out because he fought himself the whole night long, and he didn't do it, because he's working on himself, and he's worn out, and he feels horrible, or maybe it was Nishal with himself halfway through the night. Instead of of going to assist, and he feels like a worthless piece of garbage who cannot go to a base of edge and put his tefillin on. How do I know which one it is? They both didn't come. So they all get blank. It's very interesting. They don't like this question. They say, so do both. Do Midas do Musa, and do that. I say, chas for sholem. Chas for sholem. If I do tipu rufu'i and it turns out it was Midas Ros, so, the mazik. I, didn't, I just wasted everyone's time. But if I did Musa, chas on the nefesh, ich bin a So now tell me what to do. How do I know? Everyone gets very glazed. It's very interesting. Anyways, I came up with an idea and I suggested the following idea. And Rav An-Leib told me, yes, that's what you should do. What I told him was, I believe that unless you know for sure it's Midas Ros. Because remember, all chale nefesh exploits Midas Ros in the application. In other words, if you've got those problems, it'll manifest through Midas Ras, but it's not the shorish. It's not the shorish. Shorish is you. So he said, unless you know for sure it's, choyle, it's Midas Ras, treat it. If all the treatments fail and you can't get anywhere, after then you can name on it's, choyle, it's Midas Ras. Where you have a sophic, if you know for sure, it's a different story. But where you have a sophic, about it, you're, you're with me. Where you know for sure, if you know for sure it's Midisros, it's Tal Musa. But if you have a sophic and you don't know, you have to on it's Tibur and do that first. If it fails, and what's fascinating, if I could just, I'm sorry, i lost you all in the lumbas again, if, what's fascinating is once I got this Pesach, and I felt more comfortable about it, and started this, what I discovered was, that once I was confident that I'm going to approach this Sugya as Midasraos, you quickly see it, Taka is. Because you start doing treatment, and the treatment yields results. It's kind of nefesh. I mean, kind of, I'm sorry, kind of Yeah? I'm sorry. Did I lose everyone now? Oh dear! I'm <laughs> sorry. I wrecked it again. Okay. okay, we've got a month till you can like process. Did I just traumatize everyone? <laughs> <laughs> <product> <laughs> uh, so let me be very, very clear again to the Moshiachim here. If you know it's Midas Ross. Then it's Musa There's nothing to talk about. I'm that's your problem, not mine. I'm saying if you No, that's what they tell me that's what they tell years ago I asked rebellious Faye this question you know what rebellious said to me it's not, it's not the- I asked rebellious this question years ago and I said, he said the same answer I said so what are you meant to do he said it's your problem you chose the profession that's what he told me and he hung up the phone it's exactly what happened so can I just borrow from rebellious no I would say again I want to be honest in my humble opinion in my humble opinion is where you know for sure it's Midasros it's Pasha it's Taimusa and most of it is remember four-fifths of the class are not Traumatized so four-fifths the problem is with okay okay Okay, so the issue with PTSD, by the way, if I can just get your attention again, is that most people don't believe it's true. Most, we can eat to what time in the morning? Or 6 20? Okay, good. And I just want to make sure I eat it before the time is Okay, most people, number one, don't believe it's true. They think it's all mental health jargon. It isn't. It's real. PTSD is real. It's so real, it's painfully real. It's so painfully real. And and I often get two a couple who get married who are both abuse victims, unaware, who then play out traumatizing each other. And it's dreadful. And they each one don't believe in PTSD. You know, until they finally have what it really is. They're re-traumatizing each other. That's the The problem with PTSD is it creates re-traumatization, so the rule of the thumb for the time being is when you observe in a child, when you observe in a child a reaction that you could classify as a severe psychological reaction to whatever it was that you're doing or happened, you could assume it's probably PTSD. And if it's PTSD, leave it alone for the moment. Not necessarily sexual abuse, although. It, but it's definitely a trauma, and with, in the case of sexual trauma, it's always PTSD okay PTSD doesn't mean it's necessarily sexual abuse correctly said any trauma could be could could and will cause PTSD but sexual abuse always causes PTSD so at least back off and let it go and then sit back find another day to reanalyze so what's though? what happened consult with someone talk it over work out what it was okay let me do 11 11. First of all, the issue of denial. Almost all parents like the sugya comes up, we find a kid we discover that he's either done it or it's done to him, or a girl and they're in the sugya. All parents die for cover. It is a God-given gift in my humble opinion. I have a Kiddush here that, again, my colleagues think I'm mad. They go, they they all rush about denial. They don't like denial. I love it. Denial. First of all, I don't think we invented any mitzvahs. The Kabbalists invented all mitzvahs. We just exploit them. We use them. Correct? We didn't invent them. The will put them for their just use. I believe denial is a useful tool until you come to terms with the trauma you're dealing with. Because if you don't, you'll be a masik. I prove to parents. I ask them all the time, do they come to me like subrut so like anything? The school finds out. They call them. They, they deny it, of course. And the school, you know, school says, you're in denial. Goes, You know, whatever. They I say, well, were you ever accused of being denial? They go, oh, please, on they go, they're very upset and everyone thinks they're in denial. I say, well, number one, you are. You are. And they say, oh, you too? I say, no, let me explain something to you. And I tell them this, this. they are a from of great including denial. We just use it. The denial has a perfectly useful application in this case. Because if you weren't in denial, you'll probably go home and kill your kid for ruining your family. You'll blame them. Why didn't you say anything? Why did you allow it? How could you have repeated it? You're going to kill them. So denial is a better place for me. And do me a favor. I want you to promise me you're going to stay in denial until you get healthy enough that you can deal with this maturely. Now, this is a very, it's called a paradoxical intervention, because all parents react immediately and say, no, 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 we don't no, We can deal with this, we can deal with this. I say, no, you can't. No, you can't. You're going to kill your kids. No, I promise I won't. Yes, you will. You're going to go home and yell at them. Can you promise me you're not going to go home and yell at your kid? Or walk around in a bad mood, right, and show him your face. You've got to go and be loving to your kids. You need to be in denial. Do me a favor, stay there. And I fight them. mishtan that denial is a healthy, good place till you get the internal wherewithal to work out how to deal with the trauma till you get help. Till you cut what it is, how to deal with it, what to do with it. It's a very good thing, not a bad thing. The first thing parents should be told. What they are told is the opposite. And it's so destructive. Parents get read the riot act. you've got to do something. Are we out of our minds? You've got to do something? They have no clue. they just an atom bomb, just dropped on their head. They can see their whole life wrecked, their kid wrecked, them wrecked, out of school, they're dreading everything, who knows what. They may have known something and now the penny drops, it was real. Who knows what's going on? But they just had no... We're going to ask these traumatized people who just got traumatized by telling them this story, they should do something? They're the worst people to do anything right now. Forget You tell them, don't do anything. I often have a rule with parents, with schools. They ask me what to do. I say, what kind of parents are you dealing with? Can you are they mature, can you talk to them? Are they mature people? Do you think they can handle this? So they sometimes say, yes, there are mature people out there, but sometimes, no, not a chance. The father's going to kill him. But we got to tell him. I say, you're right. you got to tell him because he's out of school. And he's not going to go to school until we can work it out. So here's what you do. You call the father and you say, hello, it's your uncle, whatever, listen, something happened with your kid. No, no. It's calm down. Calm down. Something happened with your kid and you have a choice. Either I can tell you, or I won't tell you. What would you prefer? Well, tell me, of course. Okay, so I want to tell you like this. If I tell you, then your kid is expelled permanently from this school, this moment, if you talk to him about it. Can you guarantee you won't talk to him about it? Can you guarantee he will not see a mean, miserable look on your face, an angry, painful, crying scene with your wife? Can you promise me, if I tell you what happened, you're not, because if you do that to the kid, I'm going to expel him. He's out. Because I can not work with him. He's going to hate me. I'm finished. We have a problem. I want to deal with it maturely. Can you guarantee you won't tell him? He said, what's the other alternative? Is I'll tell you, Rav. Tell me who's your Rav. I'll tell you, Rav. And we'll start working out how to handle it. Can I trust you to tell you? That means for three days, I tell him 72 hours, you cannot talk to your kid about this problem. For 72 hours. Do you know how many fathers will say, don't tell me, Komarov? They know themselves. I want the Manala to take a strong position on this and say very, because otherwise you're going to traumatize everybody. You're going to wreck the kid and you'll never work with this kid again. If there's any half a minute helping this kid, it's over because the kid's going to hate you because you told his father and the his father beat him up and screamed at him or the mother did all night long and he's going to hate you. So you're done. So it's all over anyway you say for 72 hours you're not allowed to say this if I tell you do you trust yourself because I promise you if I find out this conversation happened within 72 hours your kid's out because I'm finished I can't work with your kid and it almost always works just fine which is a halic of the denial, you go to the rug you sit down with them, and you start working with them to accept it. Because they're just going to, the poor kid's a victim to begin with. The last thing he needs is a father and mother screaming at him. Actually, they're the only hope he has of getting better, is they're going to embrace him, and help him, and work with him, so that he can say the whole story, and he can start talking, and if he can't do that, then there's no hope. He's done. So the first thing, we have to confront that issue of denial and get the parents on our side and not accuse them and not embarrass them, but to help them, help them, and that you know, they're, they're as much victims here as anyone. And then work out how to help them. Now here's what we, here's the way we help them. Number one, issue of Shmira. I tell people that, to the parents, you have to understand your life has changed. Just like before 9-11, if you went into an airport and shouted, Bomb! So people looked, and they said, ah, you know, they thought it was funny. And then they walked off. Today you shot bomb, someone shoots you. You're dead. They don't ask questions, they shoot you. Right? It's happened. We know that's happened. Didn't it happen on the subway here in England? Some guy got shot, he ran, and they just shot him? Because they had a suffix about him, it was it was just running? On the subway, it happened here, in this country. It's happened in America, too. And the underground. Sorry, the underground. Okay, fine. Anyway, Number one, I'm going to do these things quickly because they're pretty obvious. Number one, your life has changed. It's like 9-11. You're post-9-11. It's a new world for you. You've now entered the world of trauma. It's a new world of Chinuch. And in fact, it's a different drosha, not now. But I have a lot of work and drosha's I give in trainings I do. On two, uh, the, What I've done is the following. Chinuch has been attacked the world of Chinuch because of all the off the derich and everything else so everyone's about love you gotta love all the kids you know and it sounds like we gotta like have no rules no structure just love everyone everything will be fine you know kumbaya and we're all happy it, it's nonsense it's so destructive it's so foolish so what happens is they say love and the other people no no we gotta be let's beat them up let's be tough like my father was and then they say no no that's destructive and then the real Mahalach is this in the, the new sugya with traumatized and hurt kids and all this stuff, there's a sugya chinach, chinach aban, does, it's the way it always was, that's all sabbath, it's fine. Crisis chinach is the only difference in crisis chinach, and I, I explain this at length to people, you know, I've done some on this, how to play it out. Crisis chinach means you do regular chinach to the degree, to the point that your child will not rebel from you. In regular chinuch, I don't care if they go mad and angry and say they hate me, and go to bed, because tomorrow morning they're going to love me. They'll just be fine. I don't care. As long as you're nice and warm and firm. In other words, crisis chinuch is just the same chinuch as always, except if you reach the point where it's quite clear your kid's going to rebel against you, and and go and do more dvarim asurim, then you stop at that point. You just stop there. The parents of kids who've been traumatized, unfortunately, have to learn the sugi of crisis chinuch. They've got to move into a new chin, a new structure of chinuch, and they need help. That you cannot tell them you've got to do the same old, same old. It doesn't work. This kid is going to need different people. It's quite possible that the whole family structure will change. Probably the whole family structure is already affected, anyway. But it's going to change. It's not that you abandon chinuch, but you adjust it in crisis chinuch, where you do everything normal to the point where they might or will rebel, and you have to work out what that is and how to do it, and I talked to them about how to do that, but it's definitely a shift. It's not the same old, and they need to understand that. Their life has changed. All Shmira of a kid, where you've got to watch them, continues until they're married. There's a principle I say of Leich till he or she has a normal healthy outlet for their sexuality till that point unfortunately Leiche Boy boy and you can never trust them that means you don't not trust them you just don't trust them and I talk this through with the kid what that means it means you have been traumatized you need shmirah. you have different Nisyanas from everyone else you have a different Geder of nisyanis. so we're going to help you you need extra Shmira and I help the kids and the families I have to do sessions with them together to help them so they don't feel penalized they feel supported that's really what we're trying to bring out to them we understand talk for by you is a different sugya. So therefore you need different support until they're married and they have an outlet, a healthy outlet and they, I have experienced with tons of them that moved on just fine. One of the most touching ones I ever did, ever, I had a girl from my school, Tikva, who had been abused by her brother. She'd been abused by my mother and she was convinced she'd never get married. In AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, she met a frum boy from a frum Family in AA, his story, and I knew them both. They were both my clients. It was an incredible story. And they met in AA. And they went out and they wanted to get married and they couldn't do it. And they were both having like these crazy trauma reactions. And I got the story out of them one. It was incredible. She had been abused by her brother. And felt these no no man's ever going to accept me after I've been abused and my brother slept with me I'm finished he's going to look at me and be nauseated by me he had slept with his sister and he believed when she finds out she'll never be able to accept him neither of them knew each other's story I did the most touching session I've ever done in my office I called them both in. To my office, they had been dating. Along the parents were halishing they should get engaged, they should get married, and they wanted to, but they couldn't. And they had a million stupid tourism and excuses. But I realized what the real reason was. The most touching thing, I brought them to my office and asked them both if they trust me. And I said, they said, they said yes. And I said, well, I want to know if you trust me that I can share your story with him and his story with you. This took a while, and they both eventually said yes. They were terrified. But I knew they were actually God-given gifts to each other. So perfect, you can't imagine. Of course, I shared the story with them. The two of them burst out crying so, so hard. But when they came out of it, they looked at each other with such pure love. They got married. They have two kids. I was there so recently, and I just saw them. And I saw oh, she doesn't even wear a shawl. she only wears scarves. You know, this boy's got long payers today. These were profoundly off the derrick kids who were profoundly from spiritually connected young couples supporting each other through life and healing each other's trauma. I mean, there's good stuff that comes out of this. There's healing when it's done properly. There's hope for, for these kids. I told both of them. I, I knew them. She walked into my office. She was 14. I knew her for years, this girl. She walked in with a hoodie. I wouldn't even see her in my office. I said, We're going to work in the waiting room. She said, Why? I said, Because you're not ready for therapy. We're going to do pre-therapy. When you're ready to be honest and feel safe, we'll go into my office. And for a year, we we'll do pre-therapy in my waiting room, which I often do with kids. I don't want them to lie, you know. I don't want to go through that with them. So I say in the waiting room, you can lie; it's fine. You know, <laughs> we're not doing therapy yet. That's okay. When we do therapy, you'll let me know. We'll go inside. Then Meanwhile, all kids lie; it's fine. So we did the therapy and eventually they got married and they got engaged on the couch in my office. It was just a beautiful touching thing and they're such a beautiful refer... By the way, they would come here today and talk to you about their experiences. They are so healthy now. They would gladly come here and talk to you openly about their experiences and their recovery. That's how healthy they are. Profoundly Healthy. And not with an extra to grind. You know, understanding their sugya is humbly embarrassed, but honest, and wanting to help. They're really special kids. They, like all of them, understood there is shmira till they get married. Because you've got takvi you have a different sugya. And therefore we're going to help you by giving you extra shmira. What's the shmira? Concept of ayin raya. That means there's never a locked bedroom. There's no such thing as a kid being in a locked bedroom anymore once this problem has happened. They can't be in a locked bedroom, not on their own, not with someone else. They, just, they have to get over the safety of being in this private place, so we help them. That's just one example. There's, a, there's many. But the constant I and Roya is that we're, we're, we're here to help you. And we realize no longer do mother and father take a nap Shabbos afternoon. If there's kids in the house, someone is always awake and wandering around the house. By the way, I didn't respond to you earlier about the girls, but one of the big sugars we have these days is girls with other girls playing around where they, Shabbos afternoon, they, and they still look like they're totally nice from girls, and yet they've been abused, and then one plays with another girl, they start up with each other, and officially they're learning Nach on a long Shabbos afternoon locked in a bedroom any time they're locked in a bedroom, in my opinion, something's going on. What they're saying to their mother is, we lock the door because we don't want the other kids to bother us. They keep running in the room. That's what they say. And you say, tough. There's no locked rooms. And a locked room is a sim and mover because something's going on. The first time, yeah, mask him. They say the kids are running in. Once you lay down the rule and say there's no such thing as a locked door, sorry if they're running in so I'll stay up and make sure they don't run in once parents know there's trauma it's over there's no such thing as two parents sleeping shabbos after afternoon it's over someone is walking around the house someone's keeping an eye there is no such thing I and Raya the kids need our support that they know we're on top of the situation and not just sleeping on the couch you know the mother goes to sleep and the father takes a safer on the couch you know two floors away And I was watching I was watching you know what do you do in the middle of the night? The middle of the night. If you have an active person who is in the middle of treatment, you can't have them in the same house. you got to sleep somewhere else. You can't do it. You can't allow it. Especially if the trauma was done to the girl. You can't have a brother and sister where the trauma was done to her in the same house at night. This is re-traumatizing. Who knows what she's frightened of all night. long? Like they've got to sleep somewhere else. It's unfortunate. But you have to frame it as not a punishment. It's it's a shmira it's iron royal we care about you. we want to help you it, it all gets framed that way yeah, so his sister's they looking for somebody else yeah, yeah no, so, no there's, someone's watching someone's around you get, they're not going to go by the way it's for her I'm doing it him he's in treatment mm-hmm. he knows the doors are not about he's, he's, once he's in treatment it's probably not going to happen I'm worried about her feeling re-traumatized knowing he's in the house that I can't allow I'm really not worried he's going to do it again once he's in treatment. Kid is engaged in, unless the therapist tells you, you can't trust him. He's really out of control. And that should be open conversation. Not behind his back, we can't trust him. He has to be an open go, can you trust yourself? How do you know? I'm scared for you. You know, there's a way of, okay. And you see, I'm getting, I want I to get the Russian prochem of Shmir not the details of it. The issue of going to friends' sleepovers' camps. Here's the clause as I see it. If you, as a parent, feel you might get a phone call, and you're holding your breath when your kid went to camp or went for a sleepover, and you're a little bit holding your breath, hoping nothing happens, then you have no right sending them. This is the way I frame it to them. You have no right sending them if you have a little worry that you might get a phone call. That's the odd stick. And that's one that parents understand very, very well. They say, basically, I can't send them to camp then. said said, yeah, that's right. You can't send them. Like, what are you, yeah, that's right. Well, they're going to be ruined if they can't go to camp. No, you're going to have to go on vacation with them. You're going to have to work out what to do. Your life changed. I always go back to that model. Your life changed. And you're going to heal as a family. I have the strength of saying it, because I've done it with so many families, and I've seen the healing. You know, and they've turned into positive things. On the contrary, parents have told me that for care, they took off two weeks and they went on a family vacation and they spent time together, and they tell them, you know, this has been the best thing for us. We're much closer as a family. You know, there's, you reframe it, but there's a concept of I and Raya and Lei mi Boy. Continue. You continue all the above until the child talks openly with therapists, only then possibly of reassessment. All these things we said above, except the one Lei mi Boy, until they're married. You always worry, but being on top of them, watching them, locking the rooms, you know, you can't have a locked bedroom, even on your own. All these things continue until the therapist feels they've they've reached a serious level of healing, and it's time to move on, we can reassess. We're not going to lock them up forever. You know, we have to have a process. They have to have hope that they can get better. Therapy. Encourage strongly, but don't force Like I said before, all kids lie to therapists. They all lie. I tell the kids straight up, by the end of the session, by the way, your parents and your school are allowed to know if you come. They're allowed to know, did you come and did you use the therapy well? That's it. I won't tell them any other details, but they are allowed to know those two pieces of information. I say, and then, you know, if you don't show I'm going to charge them, and I'll tell them, I'm not going to cover up for you. And by the way, the other thing is, you're allowed to lie. Just let me know when you finish lying, and then we'll you know, do some more, we'll do therapy. But until then, perfectly fine with me if you lie. So the kids look at me and say, I don't lie. I say, look at that, you just lied. <laughs> look at that. And then they grin. I say, I got you, right? And they say that's really not fair. You're just accusing me first session. And I say, all right, let me explain it to you, just so you understand. I tell the kids, I don't want you to think I'm a jerk. You're going to walk away. How many therapists did you put down because you told them little And then you went back to your mother and you say, why are you wasting money on this guy? The guy's an idiot. And then they laugh because they've done it many times. And they 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 they're on the moment to go to a therapist and tell lies. That much they are. So I tell them like this. i tell you how you lie. You lie two ways. All kids do. You lie, number one, is that you leave out certain information that's too embarrassing to tell me because you're afraid it might get back. And you figure you'll tell me everything else, but not that. That's a lie. You've created a false perception. They don't say a word when I say that. And number two, you distort subtly all your stories to make yourself not look so bad and the other person or your parents look worse. And they all say, you're right. I say, so I'm not problem with that. This is pre-therapy, till you trust me. And by the way, on this issue of trust, I want to tell you an incredible story. I'm, it's happened twice. Incredible, and it's probably happened more in other ways. It happened obviously twice. It was amazing. Kid is not bonding with me, a sexual abuse victim. I see he's not telling me the truth. He can't open up. He can't tell me. One day he comes in, he says, okay, I'm ready to talk. We can talk. I trust you now. So really, What happened? And he told me what happened. I was flabbergasted, but you see how unbelievable it is. During a few days before that, I get a call. His Rosh Hashiva sent him to me for therapy. And not only that, his Rosh Hashiva was paying from his own funds because the parents, he didn't want involved at that time. They weren't in favor of it. So he was organizing the funds and the kid brought a check from Rosh Hashiva to me. Rosh Hashiva calls me up. Rosh Hashiva, Good, Rosh Hashiva. What's Good, fine. I want to talk to you about, you know, Beryl. I knew exactly who he was talking about because I said Beryl who? and he says you know Beryl Beryl Schmerl you know whatever I have no idea he says stop it come on he comes every week on Wednesday I give him the check it's my check you know it's my check I sent him to I say such and such. and maybe he changed his name I have no clue who he thought I'm so sorry I can't talk and he gets angry with me he says, stop this. This professional, blah, 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 you're professional, you know, wipes the floor of me. You know, you professionals. You're not tight, you know what I mean? He really wipes the floor of me. And I said to him, I'm really sorry. Maybe change his name. He gave me a different name. I have no clue. I tell you what, well, let's solve this easy. You ask the boy, tell him to tell me, and I'll gladly call you back. You know, we're friends. I'll speak to you. I don't know. We'll see. He hangs the phone up. I was very surprised. This happened twice to me. The kid comes in. And I'm ready to talk. What happened? He's by his rosh and he's reviewing with him. Now, how's the therapy going? And he says, not good. He says, "Why not?" He said, "I don't trust. You. I'm never going to trust therapists. They always, you know, ruin you. They t- lie. They uh, They can't trust them. They tell your parents. I don't trust him, so blah, 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 that's why it's going bad." The said, "This is my friend. I trust him. I know you can trust him. It's not a problem. Tell him he will not tell your parents." He said, "Yes, he will. They all do. They're all fakers. They're all liars. They're, they hide behind their license. They're all they're all a bunch of baloney, and he gives all speech." And the Rashiva's saying, "It's not true. And I know Shimon worked for years with him. It's not true." The kid says to him, "Call him." Put it on speakerphone. Call him. you will see in a second he'll talk to you. And she would call me. With the boy listening. Yeah, yeah, with the boy listening. Right there. It's happened twice to me. And I want to tell you something. It's so important. That kid's life, in my humble opinion, was hanging at that moment. could have been ruined. Because I assure you, if I'd spoken... He would never trust. He'd be right. And he'd be finished with therapists, which means he has no possibility of therapeutic recovery in his life. He's done. He's done.